the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, thank you kindly, sir, and a pleasant Friday afternoon to you. Welcome on board. Great to have you with us on the Friday edition of Lifeline. You're getting out of work. Time to move into the weekend. A little bit of an overcast situation going on here today. But, hey, you're safe and sound in the car and in your way or on your way home. And uh, we're delighted just to spend some time with you today. As we do so, day number two from the 58th annual Bass Church Workers Convention here in Castro Valley. And... Uh, an exciting evening last night with the initial opening session by Pastor Andrew McCourt, Senior Pastor of Bayside Church in Sacramento. And, of course, there'll be another uh, keynote and general workshop coming up this evening, general session coming up this evening at 7 p.m. Here to tell us more about it and what's going to be um, on the docket for tomorrow as well from the Bass Convention is the lead pastor of the host church here at Redwood Chapel and uh, the general chairman. And general, I salute you. Pastor Jeff Miller joins us. And Pastor, always good to see you. Thanks, Craig. It's good to have you guys here again. You know, amazing. We were chatting off air for a moment. 58 years running. That's right. What, what an incredible legacy of helping to equip the church, prepare lay leaders, as well as those that, that do this professionally, in best practices to be more effective at impacting our communities for Christ. That's yeah, exciting. It is really exciting. Bass has been around such a long time, and it's a, it's a ministry that I inherited a couple of years ago. Uh, it's not a ministry of Redwood Chapel. It has its own uh, board of directors from churches all over Northern California. We get together once a month to put the program together and to have our time of planning and, and praying and getting ready for the conference. But, yeah, to be able to open up our doors and have – uh, almost 200 churches from all over Northern California come and be a part of this is really a blessing to us. Now you say two years involved. We know you're being humble about that. That you've been in the background, uh, no, no, in no, the no. kind of the guts of this for many, many years in in your role here at at Redwood. Yeah. And I, I would imagine not only over your tenure, but certainly over the last 58 years. Wow, the changes that have happened. For we sure. talked about <laughs> talked about the tape ministry. Right. It's gone from the tape to the CD to now the MP3 thumb drive ministry of right. uh, the recordings of all the workshops and sessions. I mean, it's remarkable because when you think about it, while the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is steadfast and never changes, God changes not, right? And yet the approach to ministry and the needs, particularly in a region like the Bay Area, is right. constantly changing. It is. And uh, it's, it's fun to have a team of workshop leaders that are on the front lines of those kinds of ministries. So some of our tracks include just 21st century issues and you know, how do you how do you help your church have a better web presence? How do you uh, do media? How do you get your church into a live streaming situation? So there is all kinds of technologies that are changing, uh, changing with our culture and working with how to uh, how to do ministry effectively. And we try to keep our workshops um, 
currents on those kinds of topics so that people can come and get real practical help in those areas. It's certainly exciting, but I guess the other dynamic is it can be challenging for so many churches, particularly, say, for example, Pastor Miller, a small church that Mm -hmm. doesn't have a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people that really love the Lord. Mm -hmm. They give it their time as they're able to do so. You might even have a pastor who's a tent maker at the same time. And, and they see all that's going on and churning in technology and, and culture and mores uh, in society around us. And they struggle to keep up with all of that. And a place like this annual conference really gives them a chance to rub shoulders with other people, experiencing the, the likewise challenges, right. but most importantly, to learn best practices so they can become more effective at addressing all these challenges. It is, and we for sure don't expect that every church that comes is going to have a touch point with every workshop that's being offered. There's way too many to, to do that with. What we hope that every church walks away with is a sense of encouragement, the sense that they're working together with other churches for the gospel, uh, the fact that people in their communities matter, that we pray for them, that we care about them, that we minister to them, that our primary responsibility is not to have the most technological church. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors as yourself. And and that's the message that comes out of all of our workshops, regardless of what the topic is. There's a special atmosphere here, here too, isn't there, in the sense that beyond the breadth and depth of all of the workshops, keynote speakers. I mentioned, um, of course, that Andrew McCourt spoke last night. Tonight, Kurt Harlow, senior pastor at Bayside Church of Sacramento, will be the uh, general session speaker at 7 p.m. Tomorrow morning, Saturday, 9.30 a.m., a gentleman and a voice certainly uh, not unfamiliar to KFAX listeners, Dr. Jerry Buckner is going to be the uh, general session speaker. Again, that's tomorrow, Saturday at 9.30 a.m. In addition to all of the breadth and depth of the content that provided, isn't there something special, too, about the atmosphere of just coming together and Maybe it's been a year since you've been to your last Bass Convention and you're kind of starting to run out of steam and you've met some challenges and and there are days where maybe you just feel like you're being besieged and beset by the enemy on all sides and you come to something like this and it's not only rejuvenating, it's electrifying, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the four pillars of Bass we have on the cover of our program, we want to equip, inspire, connect, and train. And uh, any person that comes to be a part of those, uh, to, to be a part of Bass can grab onto one of those four pillars, if not all four of them, and walk away from this weekend with a sense of encouragement, a sense of rejuvenation, a sense of purpose about what God's called them to do. And that's the encouraging part for us as well. We see so many different pastors and church leaders, as you mentioned, from smaller churches. This may be the one time that they come as a church to get training during the year. And we want to open up our doors. We have a very unique price structure. We pay uh, one registration fee per a church and say to the church, bring as many people as you want. And, uh, and that's really part of the heartbeat of Bass, just to be able to say, we want to be here for you and to be able to help encourage your church workers as they minister in the various contexts in your church. Now, an entirely unfair question, if I might, because I realize <laughs> you're running hither and yon, and oh, there's Pastor Jeff, there goes Pastor Jeff. <laughs> but for you, over the course of this, and a lot of it is a lot of hard work and dedication, you've got a great group of volunteers, sure. not just people from Redwood, but certainly people from churches all over, workshop presenters and hosts and people that help guide the parking the whole Absolutely. nine yards. But for you, what aside from all the hard work that you put into this, what's the biggest takeaway for you every year? I'd say the ability to connect with people and just to, just to rub shoulders with other pastors. Um, what I find 
uniquely is that people come and they're so hungry and so grateful. And just to hear people say, thank you for doing this year in and year out. Thanks for all the hard work that you that put that went into the training and, and a preparation for this weekend. Um, we do work hard. We want it to be a great conference. Um, and to have people recognize that and be encouraged and come up and say, this has been such a blessing to me and to my church, those are the things that keep me motivated and keep me coming back year after year. So encouraging not just certainly for lay leaders and, and volunteers in the church, be it people that are involved in you know children's ministry or Sunday school classes, whatever it might be, but then, too, I would imagine for churches that kind of feel alone. I mean, oh, they're, yeah. they're in the trenches, and you're working 52 Sundays out oh, yeah. of the year, and you get busy with church life, church ministry, church programs. And I think whether you're a small congregation of, you know, almost house church, 25, 50 people, or a massive congregation mm-hmm. of a 1,000 or north mm-hmm. of a 1,000, mm-hmm. that sense of... I kind of come and go and feel like I'm doing this all on my own sometimes mm-hmm. has got to, for pastors especially, to be encouraging. Yeah, someone asked me just the other day as a pastor, who who pastors you? Mm. Who takes care of your Good heart? Question. That is a great question. And this is one of those places where I think a pastor can be pastored a little bit, can find some encouragement, can have someone speak into their life. And that is a role that many of us who are in ministry don't have the opportunity to have uh, our, our lives filled that way. And so we need one another. And that's that's one of the beauties, uh, beautiful parts of Bass is being able to be together and hear from one another and have encouragement around tables as we have food and we have uh, interaction and not just the workshops, but just being able to fellowship together. So much good conversation can happen in those settings. Now, while we're certainly well into day number two, there's yep. one full day left that's tomorrow. Right. And, of course, tonight, the general session at 7 o'clock. Yep. If folks say, I've never heard of this before, gosh, I don't know, I, can I still make reservations Absolutely. to be here? Can I register? What, what do they do? Yeah, so tomorrow is a full day. It starts at 8 o'clock in the morning with workshops. You can get here. Our parking lot will be open at 7 o'clock. Our students will be here serving coffee and pastries and whatnot. It'll be a great opportunity to get going in the day. We're here all the way until about 545 in the afternoon with a series of workshops. Uh, so I think there's five different sessions of workshops in addition to the general session with Dr. Buckner. It's a very full day tomorrow, uh, so it'll be a good time to come down. So what you would do is go to either BassConvention.org uh, on our website and do the register. You'd probably be registering as an individual at this point, uh, but you can go ahead and do that tonight. Or you can just come down here to Redwood Chapel at 19300 Redwood Road in Castro Valley, walk in. Our registration team will take care of you, get you set up, and, and uh, be happy to point you to some classes. So either hop in the car and just show up or hop online and uh, check it out and register that way. BassConvention.org. That's BassConvention.org. This, of course, has been hosted here for so many decades now, I think the majority of the 58 years. And let me just say the hospitality that's extended by the staff and everyone here at Redwood is just always so top-notch. You make us feel welcome, and and it's a warm atmosphere. So let me just say on behalf of not just us at KFAX, but for all the people that cross through those doors over the course of three days every year and walk away encouraged and and enthused and educated and inspired, thank you so much for uh, your gracious hosting. I appreciate that. From Tony Tony out in the parking lot to uh, James Montoya working our buildings and grounds to our student ministries running the cafeteria over there everybody works really hard and we do it together because we love the church and we love being able to serve uh, the whole community in this way and i understand they like it when you show up too yeah. every now and then, every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah give me a high five when i come pastor back. jeff miller lead pastor redwood chapel in castro valley and general chair of the bass convention again details on the web at bassconvention.org tonight's keynote speaker 7 p.m here at redwood chapel 
Kurt Harlow, senior pastor from Bayside Church, Sacramento. Workshops all day tomorrow. And, of course, the general morning session at 9.30 a.m. with Dr. Jerry Buckner, host of Contending for the Faith and senior pastor at Tiburon Christian Fellowship. Check it out online at bassconvention.org. All right, time for us to step aside, get you an update on traffic. Let's do that right now. The latest coming your way from the KFAX Traffic Center at 515. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to the conversation 521 here on your Thursday Thursday? We just went back in time, didn't we? The Friday edition of Lifeline. Day number two of the Bass Convention. Details online at bassconvention.org. The headlines, of course, over the last two or three weeks and certainly concentrated seemingly over the last multiple days has been the issue of the coronavirus. It's spreading. It's spreading quickly. There are ways in which we don't fully understand where it's spreading, but we know that it's probably, sadly, going to get worse before it gets better. We do know this, that some of those in the highest risk categories include young children, toddlers, adults with compromised immune systems, and the elderly. And I want to shift to that for a moment because we've seen news out of Washington State in Kirkland, Washington, of more than a half a dozen deaths at a caregiving facility, a nursing facility there, life care center. And it's raised the question of the level of vulnerability of our elderly population and exactly what that means. And in particular, if you're the caregiver of someone who is elderly and in that high-risk category, how do you make sure that you not only protect yourself so that you're physically able to continue to care for that loved one, protect that loved one, and make sure that the day-to-day things that need to happen actually get done. Very critical questions to which we really don't have many solid answers in the mainstream media yet. But here to help shed some light, we're joined by best-selling author Shelley Beach. You can catch her online at ShellyBeachOnline.com. I like the way that worked out. And Shelly, is always great to see you. Always good to see you too, Craig. We've talked to you about a variety of issues, post-traumatic stress disorder, recovery issues for women that have gone through and been challenged by that. We've also spent time talking about caregiving. Yes. You wrote a couple of books dealing with that topic from your own experience in caring for your mother who had Alzheimer's. Yes. And this case out of Washington State right now, I think probably has every caregiver who's had time to even watch the news very worried because there are so many unanswered questions. And against the backdrop of all of the concern of the level of risk, the death rate, how easily it's transmitted, is this challenge that day-to-day life has to go on and if it isn't challenging enough (laughs) if a caregiver doesn't have enough to do and enough stress and enough to worry about now we've just complicated the entire equation tenfold right you're absolutely right and um you know i fall into that high-risk category myself and uh i i my husband and i kind of co-care for each other so you know, I'm getting ready to get on a plane and and fly home out of out of California, high risk area right now. And, and have I thought about should I drive? You know, should I rent a car? Is that safer? But when I think about this whole issue and the issue of caregiving, I'm kind of thinking in three categories. I I think of 
you know, what kind of protection do we as caregivers need to apply to ourselves? What do we need to do to stay healthy in order to, to, con- to continue to provide care for the people that we love? And those are a lot of the practical things that we keep hearing about, you know, washing our hands, um, keeping our cell phones clean, any, any, any surface, um, you know, not being in close proximity to other people. And um, because this is spread by like a cold or the flu is, it's airborne, it's a respiratory thing. And um, even thinking sometimes of restricting our activities and not, we might have to cut back on um, being in large, being in large crowds or being in places where we could be at higher risk. Um, so that, you know, caregiving procedures that we need to think of for ourselves. And, and, and they almost need to, pardon the interruption, they, they almost need to sit down and really take account of all this, don't yes. they? Yes. Because caregivers are so overwhelmed, yes. and I think we should add one more list to that list or name to that list of, of individuals that are at high risk, and that is caregivers. Absolutely. Because as we've talked about in the past, the stress levels yes. and the hours that go in yes. oftentimes compromise the immune systems and the health of the caregivers as well. Fatigue, lack of sleep, and the fact that very often caregivers don't pay that as close of attention to their own health as they should because they're so busy caring for their loved ones really does does play a factor in their own immune system and the their wellness, their personal wellness. So yes, they are at risk. So their personal their care and then you know putting precautions in place perhaps in the household we've talked about the medical community well the medical community is one of the most compromised communities right now and we may have professional caregivers coming into our home nurses lpns you know um, whatever to do procedures or to do therapies with our loved ones and we have to be actively thinking about when that could potentially become a risk when um, I have family that live right now in the hot spot out in Seattle, um, in that community. And I think people who live out there and in other areas that are high risk, when is it still safe to have um, medical personnel coming into your home? And so much, so much of it becomes disruptive, mm-hmm. Shelley, because think, for yes. example, my case, if I go to the doctor, there's a waiting room. There's about eight doctors yes. that work in this very large practice, and there's probably 45 seats in that waiting room because yes. it's such a busy facility. Yes. And I'm thinking, you know, I've been in there in the average November, December, January when cold and flu season is at its peak, and people are there hacking and coughing, and you you know, you're, you hope that you don't catch anything. Right. Of course, now we have to put that up against the fact that the coronavirus is potentially deadly. Right. It's not just inconvenient. Right. It's like the flu in right. severe cases, potentially deadly. Right. And so all of a sudden, even a routine doctor's appointment to take your, your loved one to go and check in with the doctor Absolutely. may have to be rethought. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm flying home from California on an airplane. And so I've already made the decision that when I get home, I'm going to be checked for the virus. But I need to call the, I have to go into an emergency room because they're the only ones that have the tests. And before I go, I have to call so that they can properly um, eliminate other people from being um, potentially you know, exposed by my coming in. Well, Kirkland, the Kirkland, Washington case right now in the rest home, 21 or 26 firefighters yes. and initial respondents yes. to the individuals that were passing away at that 
uh, care facility yep. from the coronavirus are all now quarantined. They've all been exposed right. to it. Right. So the, the factors are so unpredictable. And we really don't know. I, no, if, if anyone comes out right now and tells you they know all the factors about the virus and how it's transmitted and how, you know, how long, how long it's, you know, active and how, you know, what all the factors are, I'm personally not going to believe them. <laughs> I'm a little bit more skeptical. And I think that I need, I need to think about caring for my loved one with a lot of those things in place, like, um, how I would take them in for a doctor's appointment and when and what circumstances I would want to have in place to protect them or, you know, we just need to be thinking about all the risk factors that are here and then also to be thinking about care plan contingencies. What if I get sick? What if I've been the only caregiver for my father, my mother, my father-in-law? What happens if I get sick? If we don't think through the possibilities, we're not going to be prepared. So we need to, we don't need to be alarmists, but we need to be prepared. Well, this is really going to take some serious thought, isn't it? I mean, you, yes. you just, this is not just a casual contingency plan that, well, if the fire starts in the front of the house, I'll just run out the back door. This is, what about the potentiality of a service person coming into the home right. who's routinely there? The guy that changes the bottled water. Right. Now all of a sudden has brought in coronavirus. You and the person that you're caring for are now quarantined. Who's going to go out and do the shopping? Who's going to make the run over Correct. to the uh, pharmacy to pick up prescriptions, right. things of this sort? Right. So a little bit of the sense of stock up on water, stock up on toilet paper, stock up on prescription drugs. At least you have an extra supply of a minimum of two to three weeks is actually not altogether bad advice. No, it's 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 really not. I know that even in this area when I've gone shopping recently, it's been it's been difficult to find even canned goods. Or I know some people must be thinking this way right now because they're are kind of it's you can tell at the store that people are stocking up on certain things. And a lot of the normal plan Bs that we would say, well, if something happens, uh, you know, I've got a friend at church who's said, hey, anytime you need some help, count on me. Mm -hmm. But if there's a quarantine situation yes. going on, or if that person that yes. you normally count on says, I yes. hate to tell you this, but I got exposed, so I'm now in quarantine, right. even the normal sort of fallback plan yes. may completely be disrupted. Yes, it absolutely can be completely disrupted, and entire families can end up in quarantine if and you know if <laughs> the way that we have to come at thinking about this is um, you know it might be good to get together as a family and and think about uh, an adult family and think about the what if factors and how we would manage this or that or the other and at least to begin begin to be prepared by putting a few steps in place and I think to contingency plans I mean let's not treat this as if and it's been suggested, oh, when the spring gets here, this will all go away. No, we don't know that. The medical experts right. have all clearly said, we don't know. Right. Virus uh, inoculations, maybe in a year or a year and a half, right. maybe. Right. right now, we don't know. So contingency plans that this may become, we pray not, right. but could potentially become the new norm. Right. Or just, you know, we're here in earthquake country. Right. What if you have an earthquake and your loved one who is on a respirator Correct. needs electricity right. in order to keep the respirator going? Right. Have you thought about what's plan B here? And just don't think, well, yes. we're going to pick up the phone and call 911. 911 may not be available to you. 
Yes, I, I kind of had to be in that mode of thinking um, for a period of time when when I was caring for someone who was on oxygen 24-7, and all of it required an electrical supply. And so we had backup oxygen always in our garage that was available in case electricity, we lost electricity, but that was only enough supply that would last like three to four days. And then what, you know? So, yes. There's a lot to be thought about here. I hear a new book maybe potentially down the road here. <laughs> yes, uh, a, a lot of blogging and, uh, you know, and vlogging that could be done with this because I, I don't think people are thinking about it. Well, we, you know, in one sense, we really haven't had the time yet to do so. Right. Secondarily, because the, the terms of engagement have been shifting so rapidly, will it happen? No, it won't happen. Oh, the numbers are going down. Oh, wait, the numbers are changing. Right. We think it's this. Oh, no, now it turns out that it's that. So because it's so fluid... I think it, it really is incumbent upon everybody eavesdropping on our conversation who mm-hmm. is a caregiver, right. who has that responsibility, to not only think about what they're going to do for the contingency plan for the needs of the person that they're caring for, but also, and I've even had to do this myself, I've got people that absolutely 110% rely on me. Right. I've had to tell people here at the conference, I'm not, not shaking your hand because I no longer like you, <laughs> but I have to be careful too. Yes. Because... I have people that count on me, and if something happens to me, there is a whole domino effect here yes. that could be very ugly. And that is, that is, total sen- that that's totally sensible, you know, at this time and in this place, and um, to actually to respond in that way. And if we're not hugging everybody, if we're not, you know, shaking hands with everybody, and because that's an action, so it's a really simple act that is. In- the protective interests of the, those that we love. Are you hoping to have some information about this up on your website? I am. I am. I am very busy right now doing things out here in California, but I do hope to get something up on my blog very soon. And yes. as we mentioned, Shelley's got all kinds of resources. She has authored or co-authored more than 15 best-selling books, also dealing, as we've mentioned, on the topic of caregiving. So check her out online, ShellyBeachOnline.com. That's ShellyBeachOnline.com. Uh, there's also a companion website that I would urge you to check out, PTSDPerspectives.org. That's, think, of post-traumatic stress disorder, right? PTSDPerspectives.org. Shelly, we appreciate you dropping by. Thank you very much. 535, let's swing back over to the KFAX Traffic Center and get caught up on your Friday ride home. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Well, on this program, we like to share the good news. Sometimes, occasionally, we also have to be honest that there's a bit of bad news. And uh, the trend continues. It's been a roller coaster ride, to be sure, this week on the Dow Jones and all of the indexes, for that matter. Today, the Dow wrapping up a very rough week, down 256 points. And, wow, what a difference a month makes. From a peak of 29,106 back exactly a month ago on February the 7th, we're now settling down well below 2,600, 26,000 today, wrapping up at 25,864, more than 10%. Anybody would say this is a true correction that's taken place. Could it be the end of the bulls and the bears taking over? Well, the big question is, we don't know. And I suppose the big answer as to why Wall Street is responding to the coronavirus seemingly the way it is, is 
Same answer. They don't know. We don't know. That sense of doubt that has crept into the markets means that this has shifted tremendously, not only for the average Joe like you and me working to save money for retirement, but imagine pastors and the challenges that they face with perhaps lower resources, maybe in some cases never having even really sat down to think about the importance of long-term retirement planning and what will they do when they are no longer pastoring full-time, either voluntarily so or because of health concerns. What's the B plan? Well, joining me now with some insights is Reverend Augie Bao. He is a representative with MMBB Financial Services. And uh, Augie, you're answering this question all the time. Now, of course, this is really a whole new set of terms of engagement with the volatility we're seeing on the markets. A lot of people listening to our conversation right now say, yeah, I've lost a lot of money in my retirement plan. I can't imagine what it must mean for a pastor who's never had a plan to begin with. Yeah, it really hurts. And I think the market has gone down something like $6 trillion in the last week. And that, I guess it's just money, right? Yeah, it's so, just money. It's just so. money. Yeah. <laughs> the $6 trillion is still a lot of money. I think the good news out of this is that some people, including pastors, are paying attention. And sometimes it takes a negative event or a shock to wake people up, to have them pay attention, and for people that just think, oh, I'm just going to limp along, Social Security's going to cover me, or I'm putting aside 100 bucks a month, all of a sudden it's a wake-up call. Maybe I need to do something more substantive for my retirement. And this is where we could come in. Is there a sense of, of disconnect here? Disconnect in the notion that as we're living, working, ministering for pastors, you're so busy with the day-to-day operation of the church, raising a family perhaps, all of this, that thinking about what I'm going to do 20 or 30 years from now or 10, 15 years from now when I'm no longer able to pastor or the church says, okay, we're going to call a younger pastor to take the church into the next generation. And the notion of even sitting down and looking at questions such as not only what have I set aside to retire, but what is it even going to take? Answering that question, what will it co- I know what it costs me to live today. How do I project out into the future by 10, 15, 20 years what it's going to cost me to live then with variables like health care and other things that may come along that, uh, you know, inflation, all of that, that can change the equation? You're absolutely right. Nowadays, I find that pastors seem to be much more stressed in terms of just church survival. And especially in the Bay Area, sometimes it's not easy maintaining your congregation, maintaining the budget, what I call the survival attitude, that most pastors don't have time to think beyond week to week, much less down the road in terms of their retirement. And that's where an organization like mine, MMBB, could come in. We know most pastors are focused on building up the kingdom of God, building up the church of God here in the neighborhood. But for some of the big issues, some of the financial issues, MMBB could be a partner to help pastors figure out those big financial questions. You provide critical services for pastors, and we're going to dive deeper into that in a moment. But you also provide very critical education services for churches, because let's face it, it has to start somewhere, and the resources have to come from some source. And so often it is the church congregation, it is maybe a board of deacons, um, the the pulpit committee, whoever it might be, that makes these decisions in a church that has to decide how do we want to care for our pastor when he can no longer serve here? What's that going to look like in terms of a financial commitment to the church? 
and even there too, with churches that are faced by increasing costs, decreasing revenues. Maybe there's been a drop-off in church attendance, so less tithing dollars coming in. The church needs a new roof. All that comes into this equation, sometimes it's difficult to even get the congregation to really be thinking about how are we going to care for our pastor when he can no longer financially care for himself. You're absolutely right, Craig. Um, MMBB has expertise to both help the church as well as the pastor, and we can help churches figure out a fair and adequate financial package for the pastor, starting with the salary, the housing allowance, and benefits, such as retirement benefits. And we could also help the, the, the pastor um, in terms of retirement benefits, figuring out the nuances of clergy taxes. These are all things we've been doing for over a century. Most corporations, certainly even smaller companies, they will have uh, resources available. There will be a 401k plan in place that's administered by a well-known organization. You know, all the bank names that are out there and usually the machinery that goes with it. A lot of churches might approach this and say, well, Augie, you know, you have to understand, we've got a, a humble congregation here, and we don't really have the mechanism in place to even begin to think about this. Help us understand how MMBB steps in to sort of fill that void and, and, and to provide that, that significant backbone for a church that really never really has had a good understanding as to how to create a plan for pastor and how to execute on that. MMBB has been around since 1911, so over a century of service. We're a nonprofit Christian ministry. We are blessed that John Rockefeller gave us seven million in the 1920s. The so John today, Rockefeller, John of, D. Of Rockefeller. Oil, oil oh yeah, thing. yeah, good old John D. And our endowment today is over 150 million. So our services are free for churches. Let me repeat that: our services are free for churches. MMBB has about 70 full-time staff, including myself. We all have strong ministerial and financial backgrounds. I have an MBA from Berkeley, went to seminary, ordained minister. I'm also a certified financial planner. So we have the great combination of business as well as um, ministerial background and skills. And our 70 staff are fully equipped to help pastors and churches figure out retirement benefits. In, in our corner of the world, our niche are 403B benefits. Those are retirement benefits for staff of churches and nonprofit Christian organizations. A lot of people hear about 401Ks, and those are similar, but those are for profit-making corporations. 403Bs are for churches and nonprofits. And the huge significant advantage, Craig, for pastors is that they can work with somebody else. They can pay a big old commission to some other broker. Our services are free. But on the receiving end, most people pay taxes when they retire and take money out from the retirement sure, funds. Sure, a traditional IRA. That's you put it in, it grows tax-free, you take it out, what you pay 99 taxes. 99.9% .9 of people do. But for pastors in the MMBB system, they get their distributions as tax-free housing allowance. Let me repeat that. Yeah, yeah, let's stop there for a minute okay. because there's a couple listening on the freeway that almost rear-ended the car right, ahead right. of them. Yeah. So traditional IRA. Um, 401k, as, as you draw out, you save, you reach 70 and a half, now 73. You have the minimum required distribution annually right. based on a longevity table of how old you are, timeline to retirement, all that. And you have to, based on that formula, re, re withdraw so much, and then you are taxed on that. Correct. That's the way the you IRS gets. federal, state, yep. local taxes, usually yep. about 30%. 
if it's a 10,000 withdrawal, Uncle Sam gobbles up 30, 40%. Absolutely. That's the way it is for most of us. But what's the what? What does MMBB know that nobody else knows? The thing that MMBB offers is the IRS gave MMBB a private letter ruling in 1980, allowing us to declare distributions for ministers as tax-free housing in retirement, which means a minister who takes out ten thousand from MMBB gets the entire ten thousand as tax-free housing, no taxes. If the minister spends it on housing. Which they certainly will sure. in the Bay Area, to be and sure. then some. To be sure. So that's not only good news; that's great that news is re- for ministers and remarkable news. I mean, you're you're talking about a tens of thousands of dollar gift in your pocket. I'm I'm doing air quotes here, but gift in your pocket as a pastor by having your retirement funds managed by MMBB. So right. in addition to the fact that there are no brokerage fees, there are no commissions here, um, and you you even have, do you operate a fund as well? We offer nine investment choices. We have two and a half billion dollars of retirement funds, and we offer our services not only for the staff of ch- Christian churches, but Christian nonprofit organizations. And um, a couple of years ago, there's a pastor right here in Castro Valley, unnamed, who had 400,000 in some retirement fund. One month before he retired, he rolled over to 400000 to MMBB. If he left it alone, he would be paying out 30 40% taxes to the wow. IRS. But because he rolled it over to MMBB one month before he retired, he gets his distributions as tax-free housing allowance. And now he's my new BFF, best oh, friend absolutely. forever. Absolutely. You're, yeah. you're, you're the first name he writes a Christmas card exactly. to every exactly. year. Yep. I love it. Um, there are other arenas here where MMBB can be of benefit, and let's spend a moment talking about that because, as we mentioned, it's not just the, the services in terms of advisory services, where to put the money, obviously the tax shelter advantage from the, the housing allowance, which is major. And if you're listening to this right now and thinking, I've never heard of that before, you go and do a little bit of research, Google it online, see what the normal range of your tax might be at your your income level based on the amount of money that you'll have socked away have to begin taking the minimum withdrawal at the age of 73 and you'll find an astonishing number that you'll be expected to pay to the irs so you can google to confirm all of that so you look at not only the major advantage that's money directly in your pocket as a pastor by working with MMBB, but moreover, there are other services that you guys provide in helping the entire church staff. Spend a moment in talking about that. We also, besides a retirement plan, we offer something called a comprehensive plan, which includes retirement benefits, disability benefits, and life insurance. And churches want to know how much it costs. Bottom line, it costs 10% of the staff member salary. If someone's getting 3000 a month, the cost of the church is only 300 a month. It includes retirement, life insurance, and disability. Three-in-one package. And part of our proud history is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. literally was enrolled in MMBB in the early 60s when he was a pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church. Wow. And because of his untimely and early passing, Mrs. King literally received a life insurance check from MMBB in 1968. Um, at, and the life insurance for someone under 41, which Dr. King was, is five times the annual salary. 
And in addition to that, as part of our comprehensive package, the current amount of a widow's annuity, which if a pastor were to pass away under 41 or at any age before retirement, the surviving spouse would continue to receive um, a lifetime annuity and the current amount is about 6000 a year. So Nothing a, to sneeze at. A current pastor, young person like Dr. King, if he passed, Mrs. King will receive 6000 a year for the rest of her life, and each of the King children will receive 6000 a year until they turn 21. And this is built into our comprehensive plan. So that's part of our proud history. We were able to support uh, Mrs. King and the King children with some decent, not huge, but some um, adequate financial resources to, to help them get by um, since Dr. King's passing. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting today with Reverend Augie Bao. Augie is a representative with MMBB Financial Services. They serve ministers, missionaries, and of course, a, a nonprofit Christian-based organizations across the country and have for over 100 years. We're talking about a number of the amazing benefits that they make available. In addition to not charging for advisory services, there's no broker's fee or commission. Um, as Augie mentioned, there are other tax benefits, too. And I suppose at this juncture in our conversation, Augie, I've got to ask, all right, somewhere the shoe is going to drop. Somewhere you're going to say, ah, and all of this applies for a church of 10,000 members or more or with an annual minimum income of three quarters of a million dollars and everybody's heart that's all excited listening to us sinks to the floor. What's the catch? We cover almost any Christian church or Christian nonprofit organization in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. And... I've been on the staff of MMBB since February 15th, 1990. So, yay! Uh, uh, about a month ago, I celebrated my 30th anniversary. And I'm 61. I still have a kid in college, a kid in grad school. So I still need to work. Oh, you're working for a while. I'm working for a while. <laughs> for, 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 for a while, for, for a while. <laughs> so we cover churches. I signed up a church in Southern California that has 7,000 members and 50 staff in MMBB all the way to storefront churches with about 30 members and a bivocational pastor. So the whole gamut in a minimum for a retirement only plan is $50 a month. Oh. And it breaks my heart. Sometimes I talk to some of these smaller churches and they say, we need to have four committee meetings to decide whether we're going to give $50 in a retirement plan to the pastor. And sometimes, Craig, I could just be very honest, maybe too blunt. And I say, people, we, you don't really need four meetings. Maybe you could get one or two. Find one other elder or deacon, and each of you commit 25 bucks a month over and above your tithe. Don't decrease your tithe to do this. No, just cut you, back on your cable bill. Right. That's all. All Money's you need there. is two people who are one person to commit to do $50 to enable the pastor to get retirement. That's all it takes. It's not nuclear science. It's not complicated. You don't need tons of board meetings. And I could come in. I do Zoom calls. I meet face-to-face -face if there's several people in an area. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I actually took a ferry from Seattle to Bremerton. Oh, yes. And this is a great story. Basically, my, my map, whatever, GPS said it takes... 15 minutes to get to the ferry dock. So my wife was going to drop me off at the ferry. 
and Seattle traffic, it got slower and slower, two cars per traffic light. So at some point, I knew I wasn't going to make the ferry. So I got out of the car when there was one mile to go. It was 12 minutes before the ferry left. And, Craig, at age 61, I discovered I could still do an 11-minute mile well, <laughs> because I made the ferry one minute to spare because if I missed the ferry, I would be one hour late for a well, dinner appointment on the other side with three African-American passengers in Bremerton. Well, we know you've still got game. We've seen you on the basketball court, so we know that that works. Right, right. Uh, and, and, and speaking of which, I'm actually doing a workshop tomorrow morning, 11.15, on evangelism through a basketball ministry. And it's like the Apostle Paul who says, you know, who could believe that God could use this person to do all these things? Who could believe that God could use a 61-year-old guy whose vertical is like two inches, who is slower than molasses to play full-court basketball twice a week for the sake of the gospel? I love it. But we've incorporated a nonprofit Christian organization called God for Sports, G1 Sports. It's a nonprofit organization, and we have 200 players that play every year. And nowadays, we have non-Christian basketball players inviting other non-Christian basketball players to come play in our G1 Basketball League to hear the gospel message, which is a mandatory 30-minute fellowship time where the gospel is preached. Does that work in terms of evangelism, where you get the yeah. non-Christian people inviting non-Christians to yeah. come here to gospel I message? think that qualifies. Okay. I, that definitely so, qualifies. So I'm, as you can tell, I'm super excited about it, and I'm terrible at basketball. I've always been one of the worst people in PE, but we use this as a way of reaching people. Some of the un- hardest people to reach are the unchurched men over 25 who d- who've never gone to church. Now, speaking of reaching people, folks listening to this right now, now, hopefully not just pastors, but the folks in the pews, that you think about how pastor takes care of us. Now it's time to make sure we're taking care of pastor. To reach out to you, what's the best way to do that, Augie? You can call my cell number, which is 917-209-9911. That's 917-209-9911. You can also Google Augie Bell. That's about A-U-G-I-E-B-A-U. A-U-G-I-E-B-A-U. And another quick story is Fox News. Actually, I spoke on the National Fox and Friends to talk about homelessness because KTVU Fox interviewed me for like two minutes in a national broadcast. They Googled my name and found me and invited me to do a five-minute clip on homelessness. And if you want to see that clip, Google Augie Bow Fox and Friends, and you'll see me talking about it. Good stuff. And quoting the book of James on Fox and Friends. I love it. I love it. Online at mmbb.org. That's mmbb. Think ministers, missionaries, benefit board. mmbb.org. Or you can contact Augie directly. He works throughout not only just the Bay Area, all of California, but four western and states. Ten, it's now ten western ten states. Ten western states. Yeah. He's a busy guy. 917-209-9911. Augie, we appreciate you coming by. And thanks, Craig. You're great as always. Good to see you, my friend. Six o'clock from KFAX San Francisco. Time to turn a corner. And to help get you around that corner, let's swing back over to the KFAX Traffic Center for the latest on your Friday ride home.